Hey there, and welcome to the Jimmy's Table podcast at jimmystable.com. I'm your host, Jimmy Humphrey. I'm curiously evangelical, politically homeless, and a dreamer of small things. On this podcast, I'm having conversations about the intersection of faith, life, and culture. So if you have honest questions, aren't afraid to have difficult conversations, and want to have a little fun along the way, then pull up a chair. This podcast is for you. So today's episode 168 of the Jimmy'sTable.com podcast, and I'm going to talk about surviving divorce, battling grief, and most importantly, finding joy. For those of you who've been following me for some time, you know back in episode 118 of the Jimmy'sTable.com podcast, which there is a link to in the show notes for those of you who want to go listen to it, uh, episode called The Man of Sorrows. Uh, which I recorded about September of 2021, in which I announced that my ex-wife and I had separated and that we were getting into a divorce. Um, And I shared my burdens and my griefs, extremely raw and emotional podcast episode and one of the most downloaded episodes in all my podcast episodes uh, that people have ever listened to and by far... Uh, the most feedback I've ever gotten out of any of them. Um, and in that podcast, I I speak very much as a broken man, as, as somebody who just had the rug pulled out from underneath him, who was going through a divorce, of not of his choosing, um, and uh, was mostly caught by surprise by it. Um, I thought I had a, a, a good marriage. I loved my wife. I loved her dearly. Um, And I thought we were best friends. And I thought even though we had our shares of ups and downs and our shares of struggles, I thought overall that I had a good marriage. So when she left, it hurt. And it hurt bad. It's very unexpected for the most part. And uh, it's totally blindsided was married for about seven and a half years, going on eight years, shortly before we separated. And uh, as of very recently, my uh, divorce after a lengthy process, which took a year and two months to play out uh, because of the state of North Carolina and some of the uh, ridiculous requirements that they have for divorce law... (laughs) In North Carolina, which requires a full year of legal separation before you can even file the divorce, um, which I find to uh, be quite cruel, especially when there are no children involved. And in our case, there weren't any children involved. And the reason behind it, which, you know, I'm not going to get into for the sake of uh, not airing dirty laundry, um, but the, 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 um, let's just say our divorce was very final. (laughs) The reasons behind it were very clear um, and uh, completely just unreconcilable because of the course of action my ex-wife had chosen um, for her life and the life she was seeking to now live. Um, so in light of all these things, I thought uh, I'd share about some updates. I, I know periodically on this podcast over the 
the past year, I've occasionally talked about my divorce um, and the process of what I've been going through and had some several emotional episodes where I just share my heart. Um, I'd encourage you to go dive deep back through uh, my catalog of episodes starting at episode 118 and uh, I'm sure you'll find about probably a half dozen or so different episodes that where I talk directly or indirectly about what I was going through. Um, but I thought in light of uh, everything being finalized that I'd go ahead and tell you about the complete process, some things I've learned uh, through my divorce, um, talk about my battling of grief, and uh, ultimately my discovering of joy. But on top of that, I thought I'd also provide some helpful tips, um, some very practical wisdom and advice for those of you who are going through divorce or know somebody that's going through a divorce. Um, I thought I'd provide some helpful tips of things I've learned that uh, I either learned through the school of hard knocks or, um, you know, just going through the process or some things that some people spoke into my life. Um, so... Here we go. Let's let's talk about divorce um, and going through the pains of divorce and just some practical tips that you can give. Hopefully, this podcast will be a blessing to you. So first, turn to God. Turn to God. And I know that sounds cliche. And to some degree, it's, it's easy to say it's cliche. Um, but you know, the scriptures say that all who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. He promises comfort to those who mourn and to give them beauty for their ashes. Scriptures say, draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. That he's an ever-present help in a time of need. And he is the source of all good things in this world. On the cross of Jesus Christ, he bore our burdens, carried away our diseases. He bore our guilt, he bore our shame, he took it all upon him. So he'll bear our burdens for us. And he cares for you. So cast all your cares upon him. And you'll you'll find rest for your souls. Can't emphasize that enough that I know my personal angst and going through all this, not only at the beginning, but even to now, that, man, I had to lean hard into God. It's the hard, going through a divorce is the hardest thing you'll ever go through in your life, apart from if you ever lose a child. And it's the closest thing you can experience in many ways to death. You're going to feel your heart absolutely ripped out. You will feel destroyed. You will feel broken in a thousand different ways, ways you can't even imagine. But I promise, and I know it to be true because I experienced it myself. I took it all to God. And God took care of me. He watched over me. He lifted up my head when I didn't think I had strength. And he gave me such joy, unspeakable, as the Bible says, full of glory. Ha! <laughs> as very real in the midst of sorrow in the midst of grief in the midst of anger 
feeling like I was going to lose my mind. God picked me up. He took care of me. He poured some important people into my life. People that I'm so thankful for. And he just did this, what I really consider nothing short of a miracle. I've had some tremendous people in my life to help me. As a result, I think, of just simply turning to God in all these things. Yeah, were there some practical things that I did to, to help in my healing process? Were that you know, going to therapy help? Did going to counseling stuff help? Did, you know, family help, friends help, my church help? Absolutely, yes. 100%. And I, because of all those things, I believe that I've been able to heal in a way that One, I didn't even think it was possible. But two, has I think even surprised my closest friends and family. It's even surprised, I believe, uh, if I could speak for him, my therapist, um, who has, you know, absolutely been blown away by my progress over the last year. Um, And I owe that all, of course, to these people who have been in my life. But I believe all that has transpired in my life is simply because when times got hard, I was able to call on the Lord and He helped me. And I believe He'll help you too if you just call on Him. Because He cares for you. Second, Now, this is the hard part. This is the hard part. It's the part that people fight against the most. It's the thing you need to do perhaps the most, maybe even more than calling on God. (laughs) If I dare say that, I don't, please don't misunderstand me in saying that, but it's calling on God could probably be the easy part sometimes. This part, this is hard. Fully embrace the pain. Fully embrace the pain. Embrace the pain, the fear, the darkness, the loneliness, the grief. Embrace it all. Own it. Stare at it. Because whether you like it or not, If you try to do things to put off the fear, the pain, the darkness, the grief, at some point, it's inevitable, a day of reckoning would come. At some point, no matter where you are in your journey of divorce, I've learned this. You're going to be forced to look at the devil in the eye and all the darkness that comes with it. And I promise you, it won't be pretty. It won't be easy. Even just thinking about it now, I realize how hard that was to do. It terrified me out of my ever-loving mind. It was hard. And then looking the devil in the eye and facing it, staring into the darkness being surrounded by fear and pain and grief and sorrows like you'll never know. 
You're also going to find that there's going to be a lot of temptations that come your way. I don't play around. I don't say this to brag or anything, but, you know, I'm not going to name names. But in the midst of my grief, in the midst of my sorrows, in the midst of all that I was going through, there are some people who, you know, thought I might be an opportunity. Thought I might want to take out some of my grief and sorrow and emptiness with them. There's one person in particular who showed up at the door of my house. And let's just say what she wanted to do with me would not have been very Christian. <laughs> not Christian at all. And she was married on top of it. So when I say you'll face temptation, when you'll face darkness, when you'll look the devil in the eye, beware, it's coming. But recognize it before it happens and embrace it. Because only embracing the pain, only embracing the grief, the anger, and all the darkness, and looking the devil himself in the eye. It's only from that place that you'll be able to fight the good fight. It's only in that place that you'll be able to find new strength. It's only in that place that you'll be able to start to form a new life. So long as you put it off, so long as you self-sabotage, so, so long as you give in to temptations, and they're going to be plenty. You'll never find healing. But if you truly want to find healing, you'll have to realize that at some point you're going to have to be forced to, to look at some things and deal with some things and to be tempted in some powerful ways. And, and because your wounds will be deep, the temptations will be deeper than you ever have faced before. But I promise you, that's why it's so important to turn to God in all this. Because those who call upon the name of the Lord, they will be saved. But it's from this point, it's from this point, from, from embracing the darkness, from embracing the pain and the fear and the loneliness and the rejection and the guilt and all the ugliness of hell and all that is tossed at you. It's from there you'll fight. And it's from there you will discover the first glimmers of joy and the joy of the Lord the Bible says shall be our strength and I believe when the Bible says that the joy of the Lord shall be our strength that we find that joy isn't this happy clappy thing like we make it in the the famous the joy of the Lord song the joy of the Lord will be my strength he will not falter he will not faint like that that song's too happy clappy for me those who discover joy realize that it becomes a strength that they use to fight against the devil and to fight against temptation, to resist all the evil, to resist all the darkness. But you won't find that unless you lean into God throughout all these times. But if you allow yourself to feel all the darkness and allow it to surround you and to embrace all of it, yeah, things are going to get dark and things are going to get scary. But only once in my opinion and the way I've discovered things and the way things have played out in my life, only when I 
allowed things to get truly dark and to embrace it, that's when I discovered joy. And I was able to use that joy to climb out of the well. I was able to use that joy to fight back against the devil and to safeguard me from doing some pretty stupid things. And I'm thankful for the grace that God gave me in those moments. Because without it, I, I know I wouldn't be where I am today. And I know I wouldn't be doing this podcast. Heaven only knows where I would be. But I know because I fought the good fight, because I kept the faith, because I looked God in all that and kept looking for him in the darkness, even in a moment when I didn't think I could see God anymore because it was so dark. It's there I found the Lord. And he was waiting on me. He was waiting for me even in the darkness. And because of the Lord, I found myself looking the devil in the eye. I was able to yell back at the devil instead of being consumed. Third, if I can try to hope, I'm trying not to be heavy with this I'm trying to not be heavy with this podcast. I'm not trying to make this be emotional or anything like that. And I don't apologize for my emotions coming out. Um, I just don't want this to be heavy because, but these are heavy things and these are not easy things to face. But I hope that uh, the rest of this podcast will hopefully be a little bit more, more light. But the, the first two topics are heavy topics. So the third thing, turn to others. So you have first, turn to God. Second, fully embrace the pain. Third, turn to others. And just say, you can't do this alone. And no, you can't just do this with just you and Jesus either. No man is an island and God has placed us in community. And God has surrounded us with other people who love us. And that God demonstrates his love for us, not only in that Jesus died for us on the cross, but God demonstrates his love for us in that He gave us others in our lives to be there for us. Guess what? Going through a divorce, you can try to do this alone. You can try to keep all quiet. You can try, you know, just mind your business and not share it with anybody else. But I don't think it's healthy. Anything I've learned through my divorce process, don't be afraid to talk about your divorce with others. Don't be afraid to reach out to family and friends. And to talk what you are going through and what you're, what you're feeling and what you're facing. Lean on those that love you and that you love. And even be willing to risk your relationships with others. Some people may not be ready for it, but, you know, I found that and that may be something that keeps you from like, oh, nobody wants to hear my sad story. Nobody wants to do this with me. They don't want to be around some guy who's crying all the time and some guy who's angry and some guy who's swearing a lot. Because <laughs> I have to admit, I did swear quite a bit and I'm not one prone to swearing. But uh, let's just say there are some days I sounded like uh, that guy from Forrest Gump who liked to say the F word. Um, just being honest and raw, it happens. There's some, there are some swears in there. Um, some deep pains. But you know, I found through all that, uh, even with church folk, you know, even with some people I consider, you know, pretty sound and holy and righteous and loving God. You know, I think you'll find that um, in leaning on others, 
that there's going to be more people than you realize who are willing to help and journey with, help you and to journey with you and to go through the dark times with you. So don't be afraid to lean on others. Realize that God placed them there for you and realize that there is going to be a lot of people, people who you didn't even maybe think were that close of friends, who are more than willing to come beside you and to journey with you and to help you out along with what you're doing. I know the day that I moved out of my house, marital home that my ex and I had lived in, um, shortly before it sold, I moved everything into my new apartment. And, um, you know, the day I moved, 15 people from family, friends, and church people, some people who I hadn't even seen in a while, over a year even, heard what was happening. And they volunteered and came and showed and helped me move a moving truck. I could have hired somebody, yeah. I could have hired somebody, yeah, for sure. But you know what? I'm not going to say this is going to happen to you. But I was blown away. Fifteen people showed to help me move. And that's when I realized that going through my divorce, that it wasn't just going to be me, Jesus, mom, and dad. But that there were a lot of people who cared for me. And they cared for me deeply. And I cannot emphasize enough. And I cannot thank all the people. If I were to try to thank all the people on this podcast, I'd run out of time. (laughs) There are so many people. So many people. For those of you who listen to this podcast, you know who you are. All I have to say is thank you. Thank you so much for helping a sobbing, hot mess like myself who is going through much, who I know must have been something of a burden to deal with at times. Like, thank you. Thank you so much for being in my life, for pouring into me when I had nothing to give, when I could do nothing but be selfish and to cling for every life raft that I could find. You guys were there for me. I'm so thankful for that. Fourth, do the work. There's a lot of work to be done when you're going through divorce. So be committed to investing in yourself. Seek out professional help. There's a a divorce care ministry that's kind of like almost an Alcoholics Anonymous uh, group or grief share group, uh, there's a, a ministry, a parachurch ministry called Divorce Care that meets at a lot of churches um, throughout the country. You can go online and look up divorce care groups and you can find one near you if um, you haven't found one already. But I would highly recommend seek out professional help, go to divorce care, and if you can, uh, seek out professional counseling as well. Uh, you may not have time to attend an in-person counselor, uh, I ended up going through BetterHelp.com um, and found a uh, a counselor in North Carolina who was able to week- meet with me on a weekly basis uh, for the past year uh, through video conference, but there's other options as well. Um, I highly recommend investing in yourself. Seek out professional help, the divorce care, counseling. Oh my goodness, these things are huge. And I recommend both of the divorce care and the professional counseling, by the way. Uh, divorce care because there's something about journeying 
together with other people going through a divorce um, that is so affirming and so strong um, and, and really provides you um, a safe place to, to be open and raw and honest with other people who are experiencing the same thing and you find strength in their journey and they find strength in your journey as well. Highly recommend divorce care groups. But you know, at the same time, you know, I still sought out individual professional counseling because there were some things I wanted to deal with in me that I was facing and dealing with on an individual level that just by the nature of the support group that divorce care is just there's not enough time for hour-long therapy sessions for everybody. <laughs> so um, I recommend both when going through that. And without a doubt, consult with attorneys and tax professionals and real estate agents as needed. Um, in North Carolina, you can do a, a divorce without any of the above. You can do it without a, an attorney, without tax professionals or real estate agents. But I highly recommend you getting together with each. Um, I will say that my ex and I, we largely did our divorce uh, without any attorney involvement. But uh, without getting into the weeds... There was a time I felt the, the need to consult an attorney concerning my divorce. And even though we drafted our divorce documents on our own, um, you know, and some things of that nature, uh, I will say um, definitely consult with an attorney. <laughs> uh, they can be a little expensive, but, you know, you can just pay for an hour or two consulting session if you need to, just in case you can't figure it out on your own or you have some questions about some things that you would like settled or you realize that perhaps you made a mistake and you need to, you know, try to see what you can do to rectify that mistake and that sort of thing and to protect yourself and whatnot. So highly recommend consulting with an attorney. Um, your tax situation is going to be different for sure. So consult with a tax professional. And if you own a home, don't try to sell a home by yourself. Uh, definitely get a real estate agent. Um, I know that I consulted with an attorney tax professional and had a real estate agent involved and definitely made things much better for me. So also in investing in yourself and doing those sort of things, I also encourage not only the consulting of professional help, um, but things that you need to do for yourself as well. Read your Bible. Pray. Keep a clean house. Go to the gym. Eat healthy. Avoid alcohol as much as possible. Just just because your heart's hurting doesn't mean your liver needs to be hurting too. <laughs> uh, shower every day or every other day or whatever your normal frequency of showering is. Um, let's shoot for at least every other day regardless of what your habits are. Every day preferably. But, you know, I know some people. Anyway. Uh, so find hobbies. You know, deep dive deeply into the hobbies that you currently have. If you don't have any, find some new ones. Uh, sign up for a cooking class. Take a class at the community college. Um, rekindle old friendships. Make new friendships. Volunteer and serve in your community. Um, and to speak to this, one thing that was especially great for me going through the divorce is I was a youth leader in my church uh, at the time my ex and I separated. And I had actually gone ahead and tenured resignation as a youth leader going through a divorce and I talked to one of the pastors. He's like, you know, I don't want you to do that. He's like, I would prefer for you to continue to serve in the church while you're going through your divorce so that you can be a witness 
to our children of what it's like to have hard times and sufferings happen in your life. Um, and so that you can, so that they can see what it's like to journey with Jesus through hard times. Um, and uh, that how faith plays out in a very real way for those who are suffering and having things happen to them that they didn't ask happen to them. And you know that gesture of that pastor um, for doing that to me? You know, that was huge to me. I cannot even begin to tell you how huge it was to me. Now he also said, now if you show up to youth leadership meetings every week and you're crying and the kids have to come and say, why is Jimmy crying every week? Then, you know, we're going to have to ask you to maybe, you know, not come that night. <laughs> Take a couple nights off and reassess whether this is working for you. Uh, but, you know, for the most part, I continue to serve on a weekly basis and volunteering at my church throughout this entire process. Um, I was blown away by that. I did not expect that at all. Um, and uh, I'm not going to say that's going to happen to you and with your church. So, you know, whatever your church's policy is, embrace it, serve what you can. But if, even if you can't serve in your church throughout your divorce process, and I understand different churches are going to have different perspectives on divorce, uh, and, you know, whether or not you should even be going through one or not, and why, um, whether it's biblical or not, and that sort of thing, volunteer anyway in some capacity in your community. If you can't serve at your church in every capacity, but you would want to, you know, serve in your community. Find somewhere. Because I find that, you know, even that there's this temptation while you're going through divorce to just constantly pour into yourself and to be kind of selfish. And rightfully so. You should be, you know, rightfully concerned about your own well-being and borderline selfish throughout your divorce. Uh, you've had heart surgery. You're trying to survive. Um, now is not perhaps the time to be the most generous, uh, person in the world, but you know, there's still something to be said about serving even in the midst of that and about pouring out whatever it is you may have in you, because you still may discover that even when you feel like you have nothing to give, that God can work through you so that you can have something to give. So I would encourage you going through grief, going through a hard time, going through divorce, Yes, invest in yourself, but also continue to find ways to serve others. Because I feel that if you find ways to serve others, you're going to be surprised at the way your heart is tenderized, not only through your divorce um, and the divorce process itself, but in being able to serve others even while you grieve and go through hard times. Um, don't get me wrong, you're going to have some sad days. You're going to have some very sad days throughout all this. And you're going to have days where you don't change your clothes and you eat nothing but takeout. Uh, and you sit on the couch and Netflix binge and, and you don't want to leave the house. There's going to be days for that. You know, and like I said in point number two, embrace those days. They're going to be hard. You need to feel the grief. You need to feel the sadness. You need to feel the darkness. But you know, whatever happens, keep moving forward Keep investing in yourself. Keep doing the things that you know would be healthy for you if you were going through no divorce or experiencing no grief. Um, because that's going to be the only way that you get back to the place where you can not only live, but thrive. And so I, I highly recommend whatever you do, do the work. It's hard work. It's not easy. There's going to be times you don't feel like doing it. There's going to be times where you decide 
to cook what maybe was once your, you and your ex-wife's favorite meal and you're going to cry like a baby while doing it. I remember the first time I ground hamburger meat uh, to make some burgers that my ex and I enjoyed. And while I was sitting there with a meat grinder, I was and, and putting chuck roast and short rib through a meat grinder, I sobbed like a, a child the entire time. <sighs> so, do the work. Embrace the hard times. But you know, keep investing in yourself and find ways to serve others. Fifth, if possible, and I know this is not going to be possible for everybody, especially for those of you who have children. I didn't have any children, so this was somewhat easier for me to do. But fifth, if possible, minimize your contact with your ex as much as possible. Talk to them only when absolutely necessary. And whenever possible, try to have a third party present. Keep things as respectful as possible. Don't back down. Don't be a coward. You know, look out for your own self-interest when it comes to dealing with things with your ex. But even with that, even when you must be firm, be gentle and kind. Keep it professional. Don't fight with them. Don't yell at them. Don't swear at them. Don't threaten them. Don't corner them. Don't do anything to escalate issues, no matter what, no matter how much they instigate you. And I promise, I promise, I absolutely freaking promise, <laughs> they're going to do things to try to get your goat and try to instigate you. I won't go into the details, but let's just say there are some pretty horrific things that happened. Uh to kind of instigate me, and some of it was even caught on home security cameras uh, in the house. And, uh, you know, yeah, I'm just going to leave that there. <laughs> and when the time is right, and I was a little strategic about this at first because I had some underlying fears about doing it. Um, but, you know, get to the point where you block your ex on social media, all the social medias. You don't need your ex continuing to look over your shoulder. You don't need to be friends with your ex on Facebook. No good can come of that. Now, you may need some sort of connection with them, especially if children are involved. I get that. So you may need to be a little, uh, you may need to make a little room or just even create an uh, account just for them to see uh, if you have things with kids. Um, but you know, I would say you don't even need to do that. Block your ex on social media. Uh, it took me a while to get there myself. I, we had separated in July, and I didn't block my ex until, uh, I think it was about April of uh, this year when I finally blocked her on social media. Um, and, you know, I found it necessary because, you know, there was things that she was doing that I did not want to see, and the constant reminder and seeing of her posting pictures um, of things, um, especially things that were related to the reasons we got a divorce, uh, and kind of flaunting it on social media, ultimately just, you know, made things all the more painful for me to deal with. Um, and sometimes I, I wondered if they weren't even deliberate to try to inflict pain. I don't know if they were or not. Uh, maybe they were, maybe they weren't. Maybe she was just trying to live her best life and thought she should document that and didn't care whether I saw them or not. I don't know. 
I don't care. Whatever the case, I definitely have my theory though. Uh, <laughs> um, but you know, block your ex on social media. Keep all your interactions with them as minimal as possible, as professional as possible, as kind as possible, as firm as possible, as gentle as possible. Um, but you need to get to the point that you realize that there's going to come a day where you're going to get off the road, you're going to exit the highway, and there's going to be a day where you no longer talk to them again. And that's how it should be. You'll never begin to heal. You'll never be in the place to thrive if you're maintaining contact with your ex. And there's literal biology behind this. I've listened to some psychology stuff that I've dabbled into. And I, I learned this thing about relationships, about pair bonding, about how when we form romantic pair bonds with others, that these brain cells and neurons and things of that nature fire off in our body um, that actually physically, we have a physical, biological, chemical, physiological response that happens in our brains that causes us to bond with that individual. And when we separate, the reason we feel so much pain and go through a divorce, the reason we feel so much pain is because those pair bonding uh, agents of your body literally die. Um, but if you start connecting with them again, they can resurrect. So as long as you continue to have that person involved in your life, you're going to be continually subject to this death and resurrection phenomenon of your ex and all the grief that's associated with that. Now, of course, that may be more difficult to deal with when you have kids in a situation, but you know, you need to do whatever you can, even if you have kids, to create as much time, distance, and space between you and your ex as much as possible. Keep your interactions to an absolute minimum. Keep them professional. Keep them kind. Keep them Christian. Um, don't do anything that would get you in trouble. <laughs> don't do anything, again, that would get you in trouble. And then hope and pray one day that you'll get to the place that you realize you no longer have to talk or see them again. And then that's a good thing because it's the way that you'll ultimately find healing in your life is when you get to the place where they're no longer in it. And as much as that sucks to have to do, you know, I'm glad I no longer have to see my ex on Facebook. I'm glad I no longer have to talk to her about her anything. Even though that's hard for me to say because this was a woman that I dearly loved and, and in some sense I will always love because she was a woman that I gave my life to. A woman that I gave my heart to and even though something very cruel and unexpected happened, to cause us to divorce, um, you know, still part of me that will always love because I know what it was like to have given my life to somebody else. That's always going to be a part of who I am and I'm not going to be ugly about it. Um, and I'm going to continue to as much as possible, as much as the Lord allows, <laughs> as much as I allow the Lord to work in my heart on it, uh, to forgive, to let go, to move forward, to try to just hope that she's having a good life, um, but that it's just a life that's apart from mine and, and that I'm okay with that. And point number six, and this is kind of more so a side note sort of thing, but it's definitely worth talking about. Be careful with dating. First of all, talk to your lawyer about it. 
Talk to your lawyer about it. It may not be advisable for you to legally date because technically you're still married and technically that could have uh, some very real uh, legal ramifications for you depending on what state you are in. Um, so, but apart from legal issues, assuming you're fine legally, I would, I would caution you about dating. I'm going to say this, and this may be controversial to you, especially since I'm a Christian, and, uh, and you're probably a Christian if you're listening to this podcast, but um, I did go on some dates while I was going through my separation period. I already knew the marriage wasn't going to work, and some very specific reasons as to why I believed it was ultimately irreconcilable and that uh, things weren't going to work out, so I would definitely look to move on. And some of you, let me just say, may be shocked to hear me say that. I understand, I understand why. You know, if you're not legally divorced, then you shouldn't be dating, maybe from an ethical standpoint, from a biblical standpoint, um, without getting argumentative. And I definitely understand where you're coming from. I think from a biblical perspective, even though I hadn't legally been declared divorced by the state of North Carolina, my ex and I had already gone through uh, the motions to separate, um, to declare that we were no longer interested in reconciling, uh, drawing up legal paperwork. And then at that point, we were just waiting out the clock uh, to finalize the divorce. And state of North Carolina, it takes a year plus a couple months uh, to fully process a divorce. And I think, um, personally speaking, I believe that's unjust. It shouldn't take so long, especially when both parties agree to the divorce. Um, but hey, the North Carolina has some really uh, backwards laws sometimes, and uh, I think unjust laws should be broken um, <laughs> when they're unjust and injure other people. And just as we would, you know, support uh, back in the day, or just as we supported back in the day, interracial couples getting married, even though the powers that be would refuse to recognize it. Um, in the same way, I think just because the state of North Carolina takes forever to recognize a divorce doesn't mean that uh, the spouse who is free uh, in Christ uh, is somehow restrained from pursuing um, the beginnings of a new relationship. Um, so that's just my quick theological thought on the matter. But, uh, you know, act according to your own conscience. Uh, I certainly did mine. I did, I did it according to not only the dictates of my conscience, my understanding of Scripture, um, but also with uh, some pastoral counseling from some uh, people close to me as well um, who thought I was personally in a good spot to move on and to start dating again. I was even actually encouraged to by people who love me. Um, so it wasn't something I did lightly. Um, and it shouldn't be something that you do lightly. You shouldn't be like, woohoo, I'm separated. I'm going to go out and date everybody that I can. No, 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 no. Be very careful about it. Um, and definitely check your heart. Definitely make sure you're in a good place. And don't do it without the blessings of your family, your friends, and your church. And if, if, if people in your life that love you and care for you the most don't support you going out and dating yet, well, then guess what? You're not ready. You're not ready, so don't go do it yet. Um, but, uh, you know, be careful about the romance, guys. 
Don't get too deeply romantically involved with somebody else. Avoid sex. Let me say that again, in case you weren't listening and for the kids in the back. Avoid sex, not only because, you know, as Christians, we shouldn't be having sex with somebody that's not our spouse. But it's just not good for you psychologically um, when it comes to going through a divorce. Um, Because, you know, frankly, let's just be real. You just had major heart surgery. Your heart just got ripped out of your chest. Your brain has been fried. You have been taken through the ringers. You have seen the darkness. You've looked the devil in the eye. You understand what it is to sob uncontrollably and to stare and feel loneliness and to feel depressed and the grief and the anger and the rage and all the things. So you think that's really possible for you to have that sort of baggage and to enter into a healthy relationship just within months of of, uh, separating from your spouse? You know, I, I picked this line up while I was going through my divorce care group and they talked about a professional athlete. Like imagine an Olympic athlete who's running on, who's, who's won gold, who knows what it is to run hard, to train hard, to, to work out, to, to, put their all, to put their body to the absolute physical limit. Then imagine for some reason that professional athlete, that Olympic athlete has to have their heart worked on and they have heart surgery. Do you think that person who's gone through heart surgery will be able to go out on the track one day, two days, three days, a week, a month, six months after that and go out there and, and to run and to, to compete at a high level and to do so with all their heart and all their might and all their strength? No, of course not. That's ridiculous. So then it's equally as ridiculous that you being newly separated, going through a divorce, that you would just run out there and try to Get involved romantically with somebody else. You know, at the end of the day, you can try to get romantic with somebody else. You can try to have sex with somebody else. You may even succeed in having sex with somebody else uh, as a way of, uh, you know, trying to deal with your grief. You may do that because you may long for that companionship and you may decide to numb the pain um, and uh, that sort of thing. But guess what? You're never going to be fully in it. And any relationship that you get involved with, you know, you're not going to have it fully to give. So your relationship's going to be lopsided. It's not going to be a relationship between equals. It's going to be out of balance from day one. Because you're not going to... A healthy relationship is when two people bring all that they have to commit to a relationship. They give 100% each to each other. Guess what? If you're newly separated, newly going through a divorce, you know... You're not going to have 100% to give, but you're going to have a lot that you're willing to take. And what you take is going to be an act of selfishness instead of an act of love. And you'll be a taker instead of a giver. And what you do have to give, you won't be able to give with your entire heart. So yes, you can date again. The question necessarily isn't, can you date again, whether it's ethical or biblical or not. I think it's okay. I think it is permissible, biblically, even if you're not technically divorced. But even if you don't buy that argument, that's fine. I understand it. But the point of, of all this, you have to ask, what am I doing and why am I doing it? Am I doing something just to do it? 
just as another way to cope, just another way to survive. Because I think at the end of the day, what you're after here is wisdom. And in your heart, you know you don't want to just get by. You know you don't want to just be in some empty, be on some empty date or some empty relationship that's got all sorts of weird power dynamics involved in it that involves people who aren't equally yoked because one of them's bleeding from the surgery that they're still trying to recover from and the other person's, you know, trying to, to you know, have something meaningful and, and loving. The question is not necessarily can you go on a date. Yeah, sure. But what do you want out of life? I think our life and going through a separation process, going through divorce, isn't just about trying to live, although on some days, <laughs> on some days living is enough. And if you live for the next day and just get to that day, that will be an accomplishment in itself. I, I know I've been there. I know what it's like just to get through the day and just be glad you made it. But beyond just making it, do you want to just make it in life? Or do you want to thrive? Do you want to really live and then live in the fullness of life that is possible to live? That's ultimately something you're going to have to decide for yourself there. But I know having gone through this entire process, having had my life shattered, having been engulfed in grief, having to pick up a lot of broken pieces, having to find a new way to become whole all over again, to, to look at the devil in the eyes and to stare into the darkness of an abyss. I know what it's like to fight back from that and to come back and to find joy. And you're not going to find joy in searching for the shortest skirt that's quickest available to you. You're going to want something more. And if you're going to want something more and if you're really going to want to have joy and to thrive and to blossom and to be the best version of yourself and to be all that Christ would have you to be and to become the man or the woman that God would have you to become. And I hope maybe today you have learned something from this podcast. I hope you can be an individual who says, I'm going to turn first to God. I'm going to embrace the pain. I'm going to surround myself by those who love me. I'm going to do the work. I'm going to minimize contact with my ex until I can contact them no more. And then I'm going to be careful about my romantic life. Because I don't want to just survive this. I want to thrive. I want a beautiful life because I believe God has something beautiful for me. And that beauty is not easily obtained. Especially when the world offers so many shortcuts and quick fixes, and temporary reliefs, and things to take the edge off, things to make you forget your sorrow. The, te the temporary quick fix, the short skirt, 
the, the lazy way, the wallowing and self-pity forever and ever. You know, those things may feel good in the moment, but they're not going to get you where you need to be. Don't settle for the third best thing or the second best thing. Determine in your heart that you want God's best for your life and that you're going to pursue it at all costs. That you want to come out better than you were before. And that your heart will have grown. And that you will be proud of the person you've become and the life that you now get to live. And I will say, having been through this process, and I'm sure it's a process I still get to yet walk in, I will say, through the grace given to me by God, that I've been incredibly blessed through this process. I'm a better man for having been married. I'm a better man for having been divorced. I'm a better man for picking my life back up and making myself whole again and pursuing the good thing. And I'm glad that I pursued it. I'm glad that I pursued it because I look at where I am and I know where I've been. And I'm so grateful to God. So grateful to God for the grace, for the joy, for the pain, for the sorrow, for it all. For it all. And I can say as somebody who's been through hell, I kept on going. And I marched on. It was scary. It was hard. It was not easy. It was the hardest thing I've ever done in my entire life. But I'm thankful to God for having done it. And I look forward to who I'm becoming. And the new life that I get to live, a life centered in Christ in the future, whatever it is he has for me. And to know that it's all ultimately in his hands. And I just plead with you, brother or sister, whoever you are that's listening to the sound of my voice, don't give up. Press on. Fight the good fight. Don't give in to temptation. Stay away from the things that would destroy you and pull you down. And instead pursue the things that make for beauty and for joy and for peace. And all that God has for you. And don't settle for anything less. And if you do, you can have a beautiful life. Full of the Spirit of God. And immense joy. <laughs> I say that joy while, while crying, but I only cry not because I'm, I'm not sad because of all that I've gone through. I'm sad because it's been so stinking beautiful and amazing. And I'm the luckiest man to have experienced it all. Praise God for it. So everybody, this has been Jimmy Humphrey, episode 168, Surviving Divorce, Battling Grief, 
and finding joy. If you enjoyed this podcast and you followed me with the journey that I've been on, and you want to provide some feedback, you know, email me, jimmy at jimmystable.com. Or if you know me in real life, let's get a coffee, let's get a drink, let's get something to eat. Come over, I'll cook something for you over at Jimmy's Table, quite literally. <laughs> uh, if you haven't had a chance to subscribe to the podcast yet, you can do that jimmystable.com slash subscribe. And uh, if you if you can sign up for a newsletter, subscribe through Apple, Spotify, and all those favorite places. And if you've been really touched by this, you know, please, I'd encourage you to leave a five-star glowing review at all the places you can do that. Everybody, this has been Jimmy Humphrey, jimmystable.com, where I'm having conversations about the intersection of faith, life, and culture. Take care, everybody. God bless. Have a good one. And uh, next week, I promise, whatever it is I do a podcast on, I have no idea yet. It won't be so sorrowful. Sorrowful and emotional and joyous. Maybe it'll be a little more just kind of even kill. (laughs) Uh, So everybody take care. God bless. And uh, have a good one. And thank you. Thank you all for listening. I, I do appreciate it. That's all I have to say about that. That's the right on, man. You said it all.